John 20, then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one of them at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is this you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned around and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I've seen the Lord. And she told them what she had said, these, what he had said these things to her. And next is John 21. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, and you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. You may not have realized this before, but uh, the gospel accounts of the resurrection of Jesus uh, differ and uh, have a number of differences, and uh, some individuals look at that and they go, the Bible cannot be accurate. Look at, look at the differences between them. Uh, one has one woman coming to the tomb, one has two, one has many. One has angels standing, one has angels sitting. One has one disciple running to the tomb, one has two disciples running to the tomb. Another gospel doesn't have any disciples running to the tomb. Um, I think all the differences can put, be put together. But as I thought about it, I thought the similarities are striking and amazing. And so let me just talk about the similarities of all four Gospels, four different writers writing about the life of Jesus, concentrating on the cross and the resurrection. That's where they spend most of their material, most of their time. But here, I wrote down just six similarities. And uh, number one, no one expected the resurrection. They all agree. No one expected it. There was no sunrise service on the first Easter morning. Nobody was there waiting to praise God for what he had done. It was unexpected. It should have been expected. He had told them it was going to happen. And he had told them when it was going to happen. But still... It didn't clue in. 
Number two, uh, all agree it was women who went to the tomb on Sunday morning, but they could not take care of the body. Uh, Jesus died on a Friday, and normally when someone dies, you take the body and you wash it and you wrap it and you wrap it with spices, and then you would lay it in a tomb, and uh, you would then let those spices and those uh, things that you've wrapped it in drain the water out of the body, and eventually, in caring for the body, you would take the bones of the body and put the bones in a little box, and uh, that's how you would take care of your relatives. But because Jesus died on a Friday, uh, the Sabbath a day when Jews do no work, begins at sundown. He died at 3 o'clock. They took him off the cross. And there was not time to complete all of those preparations. And so early Sunday morning, women who loved him and followed him went to the tomb first to take care of his body, but their task was never done. All the, all the Gospels agree. Women went to the tomb first. They could not take care of the body. Third, third thing that they all agree on, there was no body. There was never a body to be found. No one ever made a shrine at the burial place of Jesus. No one ever went, never, no one ever went to celebrate. Here, here is where his body has been put to rest. There was, no, there was never a body. In fact, as you read the account in John, it's interesting because as they go in to look for the body, all they see left are the clothing that he had been wearing when he was buried. The wrappings for the head and the wrappings for the body were, were there in the tomb. Uh, if you were going to steal the body, you don't unwrap the body in the tomb and leave that stuff behind. You steal the body with the clothing. There was never any body. They all agree. Number four, agreement between all the Gospels. Sunday morning had a lot of confusion. They didn't know what to think. They didn't know what to do. They were running here and there. Some of them were afraid. Some of them were amazed. Some of them were sorrowful. Some of them were fearful. Some of them ran, ran to the tomb. Some of them didn't believe it. It was just confusion that first Sunday morning. Number five, all the Gospels agree there were appearances by Jesus to individuals, to pairs of individuals, to groups of people starting that day and continuing for days. Jesus is seen by people. He eats with people. He makes meals. He's touched by the people. He speaks to people, and when people ask him questions, he answers questions. All the Gospels agree about that. And number six, the disciples and early church believed, taught, and preached that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and as you read the epistles, the letters written by Paul and Peter, they all agree. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. This was the core of the gospel from the very first, that Jesus Christ, the crucified Savior, is the risen Lord, and that's the main Christian message. 
Oh, there are differences between them, yes. The similarities are astounding. I just uh, came across this this week. I had never seen this before. And this is, a, from, uh, this is from the Washington Post, September 28, 1983. And uh, the Washington Post had gone to a service where uh, Chuck Colson was speaking. And Chuck Colson was uh, one of Richard Nixon's uh, uh, lawyers, and uh, he had been arrested during Watergate and served time in prison. And so this is Chuck Colson, 1983, he's now out of prison, talking about it. He goes, this is actually, this is what the reporter writes, Watergate proves the Bible is true. That's the first sentence of the article. Watergate proves the Bible is true. So says former White House Special Counsel Charles Colson, a convicted felon and born-again Christian, born again right before he went to jail, who has drawn packed crowds to the Columbia Baptist Church in Falls Church this week to hear his message. The lesson of Watergate is that a lie cannot live for long, according to Colson. He said, here were the ten most powerful men in the United States, talking about the Watergate cover-up. But with all that power, we could not contain a lie for two weeks. And and Chuck Colson then takes that idea and he applies the Watergate scandals to the New Testament to current suggestions that accounts of Jesus' resurrection were a conspiracy perpetrated by the apostles. Colson says, there's no way. Take it from one who was involved in conspiracy, who saw the frailty of man firsthand. There's no way 11 apostles with Jesus at the time of resurrection, could ever have gone around for 40 years proclaiming Jesus' resurrection unless it were true. Had the New Testament account not been true, Colson said, Peter would have been exactly like John Dean, who, in a parade of White House aides who talked to prosecutors, said whatever they had to to save their own skins. The apostles would have done the same thing. The story about the resurrection would have begun to unravel, just as the Watergate cover-up did. They, the apostles, would have sold out to save their skin. The text I have uh, for you to pay attention to today is from John chapter 20. It's in your bulletin, and it's Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene. Mary was first to the tomb, along with other women, left the tomb, and then came back. And John records this. And John records different things than the other Gospels. I think he records a lot of one-on-one encounters. As one-on-one people meet with Jesus, and this is one of those one-on-one encounters between Mary and the risen Lord. Notice verse 10. The disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They've taken away my Lord. I do not know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. She did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him. I will take him away. 
Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic or Hebrew, Rabboni, which means my teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary went and announced these things to the disciples. I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On uh, Monday of this past week, just after I was working on this passage, I got into my car. It was uh, later in the day, and I got into my car, and I was just getting ready to drive out of the parking lot, and I looked up, and there was a bunny rabbit right in front of my car. And he was looking at me. And uh, he was looking at me, and the look on his face was kind of like, what are you doing in my parking lot? Big, big bunny. And uh, I, I saw the bunny there, and I go, this is wonderful. I'm seeing a big, fat, brown bunny. What a good sign of spring and Easter, and uh, beautiful to see that. And I was thinking about this passage, and I was thinking, Lord, you have done great things for us. You have... Uh, brought your son up out of the grave, and he appeared to people, spoke to them, and they in turn told us so that we could know Jesus is the Lord. He's risen, and he's alive. And I love, I love what they ask her. Why are you weeping? The point being, don't you know what's happened? Think about it. Don't you know where Jesus is? He's alive. He's not dead. Why are you weeping? You shouldn't be weeping like that. Mary doesn't need to weep anymore because Jesus is out of the grave. I like the old spiritual. Mary, don't you weep, don't mourn. Now, it's not written about the resurrection. It's talking about a different Mary, but it could be about this Mary. Mary, don't you weep, don't mourn. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And so the weeping does not need to be going on. Stop and think about it, Mary. Why are you weeping? During World War II, uh, American prisoners in uh, concentration camps heard before they were liberated that the war was over. And they were overjoyed. Still in prison, still with German guards, no longer weeping from sorrow. We've won. And that's kind of like the message to us as Christians today. Why are you weeping? Jesus Christ has conquered the grave. Jesus is alive. The victory is won. Notice how he reveals himself to her. He just says her name, Mary. And now she knows him. Rabboni, my teacher. Uh, a, favorite, a favorite song and a favorite hymn of many is, uh, I come to the garden alone. And uh, that hymn is written about this passage. The writer wanted to capture the personal relationship that we have with God and with Jesus Christ. And as, they, as, as, as he thought about what passage best captures that, he thought of this passage where Mary meets Jesus after the resurrection. And Jesus just says to her, Mary, and she realizes it's, it's her Lord. And there's, that relationship is still there. He is alive. And so the, the, the hymn writer writes, And he walks with me, and he talks with me, 
and he tells me I am his own. To capture that, we can still have that today, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus says to me, says to her, says to Mary, don't cling to me. I have not yet ascended. And uh, I must admit, in the past, I didn't know what that meant. I think what it means, today I think what it means, I'm not staying. You can't just hold on to me because I'm leaving soon. I'm ascending. That's for your good. You can't cling to me. You can't just hold on to me. I've got something else for you in your life. And of course he tells us in the Gospel of John that he gives us another comforter who will be with us forever, which is even better than having Jesus. It's hard for me to believe that, but it's what he tells me. It's better that he goes away and that he pours out the Holy Spirit into our life. And then he goes on to say this, Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And I first looked at that and I thought, isn't that wonderful? Jesus' Father is my Father. And Jesus' God is my God. Wonderful to have that relationship. Jesus invites us in. My Father is also your Father. And my God is also your God. He invites us in with Him. And then just last night I was reading it again. And I go, look at what else it says. Go and tell my, what does he say? Go and tell my brothers. Go and tell my brothers. Oh, that's so wonderful. That Jesus Christ doesn't say, go and tell my peons. Go and tell my lackeys. Go and tell all my servants. Go and tell all my followers. It's go and tell my brothers. Go and tell my brothers. Uh, how wonderful. I think he says the same thing to us. Brothers and sisters. There's another, another thing though. Point number five. Mary witnesses the disciples that she has seen the risen Lord. And so the testimony is, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. I like the story of the young boy whose dog died, and he was upset about it. So someone came along to console him and said to the boy, God has your dog in heaven. He thought about it for a bit. And then he asked, what is God going to do with a dead dog? It never crossed his mind that God would raise a dog from the dead or give newness of life. That's the story of the resurrection. Life after death does cross our mind. Resurrection crosses our mind because that's what the resurrection of Jesus Christ tells us. The barrier has been broken. Eternal life is possible. And so for the Christian, it is different. Resurrection and life after death are central to our faith. They are central to our hope. The worst thing that can happen is not that someone should die. That's not the worst thing. The worst thing is that you would die and have no connection to God and no relationship with God. That's the worst thing. Would Jesus say about you, my father and your father? 
my God and your God, would he say that about, about you? When we as Christians mourn the loss of those we love, it's not a sorrow without hope. The worst funeral I ever did was for a family that called me to do the funeral. I'd never met them. The father had died. He was not a nice person. There was no faith in the family at all. And I can, I can still remember standing in front of the family at Smith's funeral home, and they wept uncontrollably. No hope. It was sad. No hope for their dad. No hope for them. No hope of any restored relationship. Oh, it was, it was just, it was terrible. It was despair. It was loud, and it was unstoppable. And there was nothing I could say that would give them any hope. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is about hope. My God, your God, my Father, and your Father. Well, what, what does this mean for you and me right now? Here's what the Apostle Paul writes, Romans chapter 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Beautiful. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. Those are not two different things. They are the same thing. He is the Lord because he was raised from the dead. They're similar. They're the same thing. Confess and believe that. And listen to the promises. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. There will never be a day where you go, oh, I blew that. Oh, I'm in, I'm in terrible shape now. Jesus is my Lord. How terrible. Never. And I love this verse. The next verse. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. No, no race is better than another. No person is better than another. He says the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him. And I love that verse. That if I call on Jesus, he bestows his riches on me, his blessing on me. And there's no distinction about that. And it's not like I get more riches than you do. Right? I'm not better than you. Right? There's no distinction. The same Lord is Lord of all. And finally, he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In some ways, it's very hard to come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. In fact, it's impossible because your human heart doesn't want to do it. You don't want to take Jesus as your Lord. You don't. But in another sense, it's very simple. All you have to do is ask. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this morning... This impossible task might be happening right in your own life and you're hearing Jesus Christ speak to you and saying, you know something? This is something that's important to you and you need to do it. You need to call on Jesus Christ today to be your Lord so that you can have riches, so that you can be saved, you can have his blessing, and he will give it to you. Beautiful. Impossible? Yes. Easy. Yes, those two things go together. Well, for me, 
I came to the Lord Easter Sunday, 1968. Easter Sunday evening, 1968. Uh, makes it easy to remember. Wouldn't it be great if you came to the Lord? Easter Sunday, 2018. Why don't you do that?